if, if, if he was, he would deny it. And if he <laughs> isn't, he would deny it. But one, one time, he, time he just told me right out that uh, he was headed to uh, uh, California because he was going to uh, a convention of uh, retired intelligence agents. <laughs> so... Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Um, we're going to be chatting with Rob and Trish McGregor a little bit about all kinds of fun synchronicities and big synchronicities, and we might even raid a synchro or two. And that was a fun chat, great time with those two. And of course, we've got the one and only Graham Puffy Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? What the fuck is that? <laughs> You know, where did you get that? You keep your little notes and you come up with a lame one. Like, yeah, I know. That was a good one, I thought. Yeah, I'm doing okay until I get called puffy. I mean, well, I don't know. I've been losing weight. I don't understand where that's coming from. Have you been? Yeah. What do you got? Never mind. <laughs> because now we can check in the morning. That's right. I'll be your coach. That's right. We'll weigh you every morning after the meeting. All right. And I'll inspire you okay. by tweeting out your weight. Okay. <laughs> just watch it. It'll be like one of those before and after things. Think so? Yeah. What are you doing? Are you off of something? Just affirmations. Huh. <laughs> affirmations. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. It's working. How much? Visualization. How much have you lost? Five pounds, maybe? So think how much you could have lost. How much time <laughs> you spend in visualizing yourself? Not long. It? Like a minute a day? Maybe a couple minutes? A minute a day. Maybe a couple minutes. <laughs> How much time affirming? Like seconds. Seconds. Yeah. Once a day. Well, at least. I yeah. wish I was thinner. People are saying they that all wish. day, all the time. Wish. No, they're not. No. People aren't positive, Darren. We just no. talked about that in our last episode. There's negativity rampant. You can't say negatively, I wish I wasn't so fat. No, of course not. That's the wrong get, way. You get fatter. Yeah. I wonder if I can work against you. Yeah, probably. If I, if I can just take 10 minutes out of my day. And, <laughs> and then I'm wondering why it's not working, so i got to take 15 minutes instead of wasting an hour just counterattacking Darren's curse. The meditation. See, I knew, I didn't even want to talk about this tonight, and somehow it comes up. It slipped right into it, like, within three minutes. We're at two minutes. Yeah. Anyways, no, it's just part of the... Well, it'll be you good, know because now the audience can help you out. And I and I think there's, a, there's another spin-off Go effect of that. Where you start eating better just because you're actually intending that. And then you probably feel like you should help it along a little bit. Like, I took a picture actually, of your breakfast. Yeah, that's that's not bad. Eggs and bacon, that's good. Eggs and bacon, I only had half of that bun, so. <laughs> you took half the bun off? Yeah. That is a step in the right direction. There you go. And I saw donuts and holes the other day and I didn't even eat them. No, I haven't had a donut in months. Are you off the sugar at all? No, I'm tr yeah, I'm cutting back a little bit, but I'm not off. I had some chips today. Yeah. I had a small bag of chips. I just, fuck it. Hey, I know. I got, uh, every once in a while, I, I crave the chips. Yeah, it's my weekend. I got some zesty taco. Yeah. Fucking primo, man. No. Then I got thirsty. Before I forget. Don't point at me. That's you got You got to listen to the outro. Of what? This show. Our outro. It was long and we had, and I don't remember why, but it we were laughing up pretty good. It was pretty funny. Was Michael on for that one? Maybe. Maybe. I can't remember. Yeah, I think huh. he was, yeah. You have a note in the notes to listen to the outro? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So this is a problem when we get a month out. Yeah. It's hard to remember what you talked about Yeah, a month we ago. recorded this one a month ago. It's just bad timing for Tristan Rob as far as like our backlog and stuff like that. That's we true. tried to get out last week and it just wasn't going to happen, so. 
Uh, yeah, I was going to release one on my birthday, but then what happened? We just didn't happen. Yeah. I did go for a float, though. Yeah, was how was that? Time. It was much better than the first time. Um, Didn't get any of my eyes this time. It's oh, only twice now. I got a little in my nose. That was pretty intense for a minute. Yeah. But it wasn't too bad. It wasn't a deal breaker. Um. Yeah, it was good. How long did you go for? An hour? Uh, well, I think they let me go for about 80 minutes. Did you listen to music at all? I did music for like half. Did you say hi to our buddies over there? Yeah, Dustin. Dustin was there. Yeah, Dustin cool. set us up. Did you go to Martaloop? Yeah, I went to Martaloop this time. went to a different location? Yeah, it was super. So if you are in Calgary, do check it out. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah fucking, um, we went. We had a great time. Big thanks to Isaac and Dustin over there. Isaac's been trying to get me to go for a float for about a year. Yeah. So it was good. I went on my birthday. Did you Did you feel like your mind was very loud and active because everything else was so quiet and yeah. dark? Like and then I'm, really hear your... it's good, though. I'm able to kind of go through my thoughts one by one and organize them a little bit. That was a good time. Really? I rather enjoyed it. I'd go back. I will go. I, I'll go back for sure. Nice. I'd like to get in the routine, you know? Speaking of... Uh... Might have found a hemorrhoid. In the float <laughs> because of the sting. No, he was feeling. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. Little burner. Yeah. What's you that? Dig a little deeper next time. Then. I guess I need. Uh, I should have tucked some silicone in there. Jeez, oh, you got that ear, ear that that silicone earplug. You should yeah. just plug it, plug that up too. They should give you one. I just go silicone. in with a butt plug. <laughs> You have one? I can lend you one. That's <laughs> <laughs> not awkward at all. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you clean it before you Yeah. So what do you got for me, buddy? What's new? Uh, well, speaking of Calgary events, Nassim Harriman's um, emissary. Ooh, when's that again? Ooh, it's coming up. Is that this month? Jamie Janover. He's been on the show before. Fascinating guy. Fascinating conversations. He's into the, some of the festivals and stuff like that. And the unified theoried, theoried, the unified field theory of Nassim Harriman and beyond. That's Cal- in Calgary at the Grey Eagle Casino. And it's April 29th at 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. So we got to go to that. We should get tickets and, and go. And uh, that'll be, it'll be awesome. So just for everybody uh, yeah, in Calgary, it'll be great. I think it's 50, 45 bucks a ticket. When is it'll it? be worth what it. What day? It's on the uh, weekend. April 29th. Fuck yeah. That's yeah. a weekend, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm assuming. Um, yeah, it should be. It would be. So I'm putting the link to that in the show notes. That's uh, Sunday. Sunday, April 29th. Yeah. I'm and hopefully we'll have Jamie in the studio too. In the igloo. Yeah, he already said he would come. Nice. Well, we gotta. We should probably arrange exactly when that will be. Maybe the Saturday before, the Monday after. Or Transportation. The Saturday before, ideally. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it'll be good. That'll be fun. That'll be another, another um, past guest that finds her way to the igloo. Yep. You one, bet. One by one. Yep. Anything else coming up in Calgary? What about the flat earth thing? Are you going to go to that? When's that? I think it's like in like three weeks. And that's in Edmonton? Yeah. Can we just go for a day? Drive. Just get up early and drive. Drive there, drive back. Yeah, we can record we a little tidbit on the way. And what do you mean? What, what do we do there? Troll? What do you mean, troll? We have a lot of listeners that believe in the flat earth. You got to try and find out why. Yeah. 
So we're going to go try and get convinced? Well, I think you're like half in. Uh, halfway there. Yeah. I'm not there. No, I'm just kidding. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. I, I don't think you are. Is there really anything? I don't know if there is anything you can say, but fuck, we might as well drive up for the I think Michael wants to go anyway. Really? Okay, well, then so we, we can just make well a road trip. Yeah. Road trip up, road trip down. Yeah. Find out when it is for sure. Yeah. And it's at West Edmonton Mall. So we could go skating. What else can you do at West Edmonton Mall? Water slide. There's a water slide. You can do all sorts of fucking cool shit there. The boat, the big pirate boat. We could get a theme room. <laughs> there you go. Which one do you want to get? The flat earth theme room. <laughs> the Polynesian. <laughs> the hot tub. We'll do a podcast room in there. There you go. The broken video stream. So, anywho, what do you got? I'd like to play some jingles. You want to play some jingles? Well, you choose, man. Well, I got, okay, here. I got a chem, I got a, I want to do a little chemtrail thing. Uh, not, not chemtrail, geoengineering thing. Okay, fine. Graham is an all in believer in chemtrails. Chemtrails. Got a little hot there. If, you, if, you, if that goes too loud, do you level that out later on? That was pretty, pretty loud. <laughs> gonna piss some people off <laughs> see how it goes catching it so i've been getting usually catch it i've been getting lots of emails and i need your clip cord Ugh, it's a clip thing too yeah i've been getting lots of emails about geoengineering and weather modification and i sort of sometimes i save them up and there's some pretty interesting things here so lots of stuff on black chemtrails later lately like people filming Black smoke coming out of the planes. I'd like to see that. Do you have a video? I do, yeah. I have a couple of them, yeah. How would I play that for you? Can I cast it over there for you? You could. Even though this is only audio, but still. Yeah, I'd like to see it because okay. I don't believe you. So first of all, I've got a, a chem, I've got a weatherman explaining chemtrails, which is really interesting. Chemtrails, a weatherman? Yeah. Okay. Hey, buddy died, eh? Yeah. The dude who founded the Weather Channel? Yeah. Uh, okay, ready? So this is, uh, I'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes as well. Great job. Yeah. You're going to jiggle it. Okay. Do you believe that all those jet streams are chemtrails? No, not all of them. Just some of them, right? Yeah, some. Yeah, yeah some, there's some stuff. There's some geo, there's legit geoengineering going yeah, on, but... But yeah, they've admitted to it. But it's not all. I mean, a lot of them just dissipate in their normal contrails that we used to see decades ago, but yeah. they don't all do that. Yeah, it's a conversation. Yeah, but this guy seems to think that it's just creating a bunch of clouds. Let's see. Just for a second. Let's take a look at this. Oh, you got to work in What happens when you have a lot of moisture upstairs? Oh. <laughs> Jets, planes that are traveling in the sky are up... Uh, somewhere it used to be between 28 and 38,000 feet, up where air temperatures are anywhere from 40 to 80 degrees below zero. As a jet plane travels, it's burning jet A fuel, that's basically kerosene, and the byproducts are carbon dioxide, which you can't see, and water vapor, which condenses out in that super cold air. And I mean, like I said, anywhere from 40 to 80 below zero. So this guy's actually pointing at a chemtrail in the background. There's a whole bunch going back the other way. It's it's pretty funny. It's a pretty funny clip. Nice. Um, 
That's the, so he's just basically saying it's an inv- invisible gas and water vapor coming out of the jet fuel. So it instantly condenses out into ice crystals. There are over 40,000 flights across the United States every day. And every time this happens, I will get people calling, writing, emailing, saying these are chemtrails. <laughs> the government is poisoning us. And I try to tell them. Look, look, see the high clouds. That's why they don't disappear, because the atmosphere is up, up there is saturated. So this stuff gets out and doesn't evaporate. It just kind of gradually spreads out. That's the explanation. They are contrails, condensation trails. All right. Persistent and contrails. There you go. Eh? That's that's your explanation. Done. <laughs> and so now and why and why is it only happening in the last couple of decades? Ooh, I actually seen some pictures in the 40s. Chemtrails all over the place. Yeah, that's they're doctored. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. here's 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 a couple of videos I'll just show you, Darren. I'll, I'll try and of uh, black black chemtrails. Are you playing the jingle or are you? No, I'm just watching. Is no, it a clip it's just, or it's just no. We're just gonna look, watch it and talk about it. I'll put it in the show notes. So like, so is that a chemtrail or is that like a show? No, they're it Lufthansa. What's that? It's the, you know, the European red, airline. black to black and red, black and orange. Well, I don't even classify it as orange. It looks pretty red. You know that was some potent sauce, whatever it is. So that's that one. That, that is not good. Well, that's the, pro- that's the thing, right? I mean, it looks like smoke, and it acts like smoke, and I don't think it's just water vapor. I mean, these guys like David Keith, they want to do this. They say they they have the technology. They've been doing it. You look at all the patents. Here's another one here of a plane with uh, black black trails. I mean, that's I don't think that's just what super fuel. Maybe it's having engine trouble. That is dirty, nasty. Oh, he's getting. Yeah, I mean, we're making clouds now like we've never made them before. Why now? We never made those. We ha- we used to have blue skies. Is it because of the amount of air traffic now? Is that the big difference? It's the chemtrails, bro. And these these videos are taken off of YouTube, so why? They are taken off of YouTube? Some of them. And they're in uh, BitChute. The oh, that's something i got to play later. I'm saving that one for another time. Is that the 40s? Time. Are those sky swastikas? No, I'm saving that for another time. So the other thing I have for you is a little... a little um, For me? A little, a little vaccine hoax thing. Oh, you're going to hoax me? Yeah. So, do you want me to play that now, or do you want to do jingle? We don't have a vaccine jingle. Like a vaccine hoax jingle? This is um, this is interesting. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. Like, you know, i got to, you know. So, what do you want to play? I don't have a jingle no, I'm for just, that. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Let's just watch it here. I don't have a clip cord. Fucking. It's not really a vaccine. It's more of a flu shot. Flu shot, not a vaccine. You ready? Yeah. Right in the face of a brand new false flag. We're learning just how severe the flu season is. It's getting bad. It's a real zinger. It's really severe. Large spike in cases. Emergency rooms are slammed. Wait times are through the roof. This is from the LA Times. OC Global can no longer accept any ambulances. This is going to be an epidemic year. If you feel sick, go see a doctor. 
California hospitals face a war zone of flu patients and are setting up tents to treat a them. War zone. Hospitals across the state are sending away ambulances. Others are canceling surgeries and erecting tents in their parking lots so they can triage the hordes of flu patients. <laughs> We're erecting tents? I mean, are there people lined around the block? Is that really happening? Oh. So what did I ask you to do? What, what, what happened? You said, you know what? I don't think this is really happening. Go to those hospitals and see what's going on there. St. Joseph's. So there's, there's the tent. St. Joseph's. Oh, there it is. Look totally empty. Whoa. They have a tent the there. Room. Look at fact, this. We're turning people away. We can't do surgeries. We're flying in nurses. Torrance is where we went next. So there's no one there. And this is the place with the tent. Whoa. Totally empty. And then she went and checked out the tent. And we went to Orange Global, too. There it is. And there it is, folks. That's it. The CDC admits they're doing this. Recipe for fostering public interest and high vaccine demand. Medical experts and public health authorities publicly state concern and alarm. Did you see continued reports from health officials and media that influenza is causing severe illness and or affecting lots of people? The flu falls flag. That's what you just saw taking place in that news piece. That's what you saw LA Times writing about. Shame on you, LA Times. Shame on you, Sumya. Carla Mangla. You're fear-mongering. You should be ashamed of yourself. Is that Dell Big Tree? It is. Yeah. How'd yeah. you know? I just know. No, really. I know his voice. Do you really? Yeah. From the from the vaccine world? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So do you do you I because I've never seen that guy, but and I don't know if that's legit or not, but I tend to trust that a little bit more than the mainstream propaganda that's coming out. So do you? What do you think? Is it is that guy does some good work or? He seems to. I mean, he used to be on the doctors or whatever that TV show. Oh really? Eh? Until what? TV until producer. Until he became vaccine. Uh, yeah. Really. Yeah. And then he got booted. Then he got shunned. Wow. Now he's on the internet. Yeah. Getting. Actually, I think he had quite a bit of views there. Probably. He's a pretty big name in the industry or anti-industry, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Huh. Yeah, it's just it's just so disgusting. Uh, you know, if they had to push that hard for people to get flu shots. Flu tents. So why? I mean, we have listeners in L.A. in that area. Is there flu tents? Why, though? I don't get it. Because they want you to get the flu shot. Otherwise, you know... I know, but why, because it's, it, why is it that, you know? Because... Fucking, I don't know. There's probably some sort of rule on usage or there's some sort of thing in a contract of so many flu doses don't get used that something's null and void or this happens Ooh, or that happens point. or a bunch of shit that I don't know. But that's for some point, reason, actually. it's fucking worth the pharmaceutical company ponying up what seems to be, you know, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising and propaganda and fucking whatever to to do the to get people to take this flu shot i mean honestly at what you'd think they don't care because unless they don't get paid if they don't get used or i don't know but something's happening that could like be that. all there is to it i mean it might not be any more nefarious than that than meeting a quota or having to sell the thing right i mean yeah. every time they do that they get 75 cents or a buck probably and then it also goes into that fund and then and if I it mean, doesn't get sold, then maybe they stop making the flu shot and you're out, you know, whatever you're making off it. So yeah. 
It uh, could be completely financial. Like when that. you've got billion dollar ins, then it's like yeah, or there could be shit in there that's fucking nano whatevers. Or there could be that. Could be nano that. whatevers. That could be a thing. At the very least, it's money related. So this is a great episode with Trish and Rob about uh, synchronicities, like crazy synchronicities. Oh, you should have a couple good synchros for I, the intro. Then. I'm gonna. Uh, oh, you know what? I don't really. I have. Uh, yeah, I, I have um, one. Give me my fucking clipboard back. At least. Okay. Here you go. For one. High tech. High tech stuff here. We're swapping clipboards back and forth. Oh yeah. You should have seen the live stream. Total trainer. We do. We, we used to have a. I got rid of the train wreck sound because I thought we were past that, but um, clearly we're not. Bingo, bango, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the Grind America newsletter. Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, To the polls, baby. Oh, I thought you were getting ready, ready for me to do. No, you weren't ready, so right. I just fucking steamrolled right over you. I am ready. I'm sitting here waiting. But now I can't find the fucking link to the poll. Okay, well, I'll just... I'll just oh, no, do- I got it. It's right here. So we did the poll. I didn't start it till late because I forgot. Which poll is this? This time it was favorite jingle. The options were Rambling Gram, Social Media Jangle, Good Vibes, or Other List and Replies. We got uh, 76 voters. There's actually technically still like six hours left. Uh, 34% went with Rambling Gram, 29% Social Media Jangle, 29% Good Vibes. Wow, pretty close. 8% Other. The others we got from Babu Kentu. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. That's my shit. Actually, that's the guy who wrote the the uh, acoustic one. Hmm. Uh, from Jagger Benham, the intro tune. That's the guy who wrote <laughs> the intro tune. Uh, we got another one here for profound UFO quote of the week acoustic. Uh, C. Seti. C. Seti Graham. And the Black Budget intro. Uh, Welcome to the Jungle synchro. No, it's not Welcome to the Jungle. Paradise City. Paradise City. Uh, Good Vibes. All of the above. I love them all, but my kids sing the social media jangle with me. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe. That's the one we got shit on too, right? Some hate? No, not really hate. C-SETI star or nothing at all. (laughs) Social media jangle got a lot of hate last episode. Good to see it is currently ranking high in the poll. But also the chemtrails one. That's it. I don't know what I'll do for a poll this week. Right on, buddy. Thanks. I'll play the winning jingle, though. I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. Got a synchro? Yeah, I got one. This is from our buddy Johnny. Great segue.
First time, long time. Johnny V? Yep. V? Yeah. Hmm. Aloha. Maybe I'm psychic. Sorry for the long email. He says, I have a Sasquatch. Synchro or coincidence? I think Uh, he sent the spam. What? I had to go to Eureka, California for work for the first time this past Thursday and Friday. I've been there. Side note, there was a 4.5 earthquake when I got there. I listened to several podcasts on the long-ass drive up there from the Bay Area. And one of the shows was the recent one you did with Fiona Horn. And in the intro, the poll discussed, that's weird, Sasquatch. To be honest, I never took a deep dive into Bigfoot. You guys talk about him a lot, and I don't really pay too much attention. But this time made me think about an encounter I had with a gentleman a while ago at my local Costco. I was getting family photos developed and noticed to my right he was developing photos from the Patterson-Giblin film. I couldn't resist, so I struck up a conversation with him. Super nice guy. He wrote songs about Bigfoot, Bob Dylan of Bigfoot, and was a researcher. He even gave me a signed photo. He said we should keep in touch, but I never followed up. I still had his business card in my stack of cards in my car and dug it out to send to you guys. Next day on my way home, still had sunlight, so I was able to see my surroundings. I didn't know I was in Bigfoot country and came across a roadside shop. And got you guys some goodies. I'll send your way. Anyway, looked up. Looked. Oh, what did he say? Anyway, looked the guy up and saw he had recently had a massive stroke and was raising money. And here's the link if you want to put it out there to America. And this is his uh, card. He sent us the card. Yom Yamaron. California big Bigfoot researcher, and this is his Bigfoot stop here, which re- reminds me of that little rainbow stop with the big Bigfoot. I've fucking been there, man. Have you? Yep. Why didn't you bring something back from there? It was closed. You didn't bring a Bigfoot? Oh, is that where you got that thing that's, from? No, that shit's super expensive. <laughs> it's 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 all the wood carvings, right? Yeah, yeah. That's right on the yeah, highway. That's yeah. on Highway 101. There's a beach right across the street from that. I'm sure I've been to ice. I was looking at that. I parked my truck across the street when we went and my kid fell in the ocean. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll link to that in the show notes. Oh, and Peter Yeah, Pants. thanks for the uh, the email. And I'll keep my eyes on the P.O. box. Oh, it's funny. I've been to, I, I, we were looking at that exact shop when it was closed the one day and then we went drove by the other day. It was just like, it's probably super expensive and we have no room. We had already bought that carved wooden eagle and yeah. It's weird how little on the West Coast there's little towns that just like are full on Bigfoot. Well, I know I've been. To, yeah, that's right. There's the one in uh, where I used to live in, in on the coast in BC. There, Harrison because, Harrison Hot Springs. And it's like, yeah, well, right from there, like where that place is in Eureka, there you and like Crescent City is just like five minutes the one way, and then the other way you drive like ten minutes and you're in Del Norte Redwood Park. And it's like you're on the ocean, you don't even realize it's there. And then you turn left, you go up the hill, and then fucking down the hill, and you're in, like, crazy redwood forest. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, right there. Yeah. It's crazy. Right on, buddy. Cool. Well, that's so about I'd be it. interested to know if that is just outside of Crescent City, and if it's got the uh, huge, giant beach right there with the jetty just down the road. Yeah, it's probably the same one. Yeah. Because that'd be crazy if we both went to the same stand. The Yeti, the Yeti just down the road or the Jetty? The Jetty. Oh, yeah. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, okay. A Jetty? Yeah. You fish off? Yeah. Whatever the fuck? Sorry. What else you got? UFO quote and that's about it, buddy. Ugh. Down Is it reading off the CIA webpage? Deep, 
It's a profound UFO quote of the week. Oh, is it March 13th today? Words mm. to ponder and critique. It's a profound Did you pick it? I picked the one below the March 13th, 2015 date. That's synchronicity. We're doing no, really? a show and... Three years ago. I picked the one from three years Those ago. Those profound quotes from three years ago? Yeah, man. Doesn't it take longer than that for a quote to become profound? What do you mean? This is when I read this episode. When I wrote, when I read the quote, it was exactly three years ago today. And you're reading it again? No, I'm reading the one below it. When did you read it? How? I don't understand what you're talking about. How? Well, I'm just doing it. In what world do you have the quote you haven't read yet? I pick them like randomly. I pick them. No, I don't go down in order. I pick them for the the, oh. the unique uniqueness well, of no the moment and all. No wonder that, you're right? always randomly going to the CIA webpage because you're lost. So this is of these UFO reports. The radar visual reports are the most convincing. When a good radar picks up a UFO target and a ground observer sees a light where the radar target is located. Then a jet interceptor is scrambled to intercept the UFO, and the pilot also sees the lights and gets a radar lock, only to have the UFO almost impudently outdistance him. There is no simple answer. And that is Edward J. Ruppelt of the U.S. Air Force, Captain 1956. March 13th? No, it's just when I read it. <laughs> uh. I, I got to track this stuff. I put in episode with Robin Trish, March 13th, 18. So the one before two was beside each other that are like March 13th. The one wow. before was with Art Markman on March 13th, 2015. What was Art Markman again? I don't know. You can't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? Ask for support. Yeah, let's do it. Support the show guys. Grammarica.ca slash support. Mention the chats. With chats check out america.ca slash support guys um do sign up for a payment plan if you can there's yearly options monthly options weekly options you can go to patreon if you don't like uh, paypal but if you could you know find it in your heart to do that if you are getting a little value from the show that that is the only uh, money we take in and we don't take in very much of it at all we are still under one percent but uh, maybe you, uh, if a couple of you go over this week and sign up, we can creep up on that. Really does help. Really does help us grow, keep the things going. Um, yeah, and you get the black budget feed, which we've got a couple interviews lined up in a couple weeks. Those will drop into it. There's already 20 episodes in there. Um, and we're recording it. Like I say, we're recording a couple of intros in the next two weeks. That Those will be in there as well. So that's coming up. There'll be 22 episodes in there and building. Uh, so yeah, uh, and we're still putting extra episodes out <clears throat> in the regular feed as well. That's right, some extra there. Yep. So support the show, and then you get some even more extra. Show. Lots of ways to support without spending money. Yep, check out the show notes. Do everything in the list. There's a chat, grandamerica.ca/chats. A lot of people are just perpetually hanging out in there, yep. sharing some stories. Some people and, never leave, and then uh, other people have like shifts. And then Darren's on Twitter, and I'm on Instagram. That's right. And check out... Uh, you, you can subscribe to YouTube. There's a bunch of little tiny YouTube, things. Rate iTunes. We should really push iTunes uh, reviews too. They help. Review the show on iTunes. You can also... Um, 
There was one of the sign up for the newsletter, goamerica.ca oh, slash yeah, news. Right. Uh, we do still have that gas thing going. We totally forgot about. <laughs> We're trying to send that balloon up to space. Thanks to the people that have donated to that specific cause. <laughs> yeah. I think there was like... You might see a refund in your... I think there was like 400 bucks in there last time I was in there. That's funny. So, yeah. And There's the other that. thing is about the newsletter is we're probably going to be sending using that as a tool to send out for live. We're trying some live um, weekly broadcasts, which will probably be Tuesday, Wednesday night, kind of video live on YouTube, hopefully, maybe somewhere else. Um, we'll see. And, and, and you know, we, so we put out a... We don't have a strict schedule where it's every day starting. I mean, it's going to be pretty close. Yeah, but... so we might be able to start sending it out the morning of or something like that. Yeah, or like the that. day before even or something or... Anyways, we'll send out an email and a tweet, and we'll put a note in the chats, and and we can reach quite a few people now via those three platforms. So that's what we're gonna do. So signing up to the newsletter just help us keep in touch with you when we're doing stuff. Absolutely, and and you're signed up for the newsletter, which is great already, all by itself. Yeah, thanks to Justin for helping us out with that. Yep, big thanks, Justin. So do all that great stuff, guys. And uh, when you pause it right now, do all that stuff. And when you're done doing that, enjoy this fantastic chat. Robin Trish McGregor. So tonight we've got Robin Trish McGregor here and their website is synchrosecrets.com. And I think they both have their own sites within that. They're both authors of fiction and nonfiction. And I just finished the synchronicity highway, which was fantastic. So definitely want to chat with that. There's a lot of, lot of stuff that we talk about here on the show that you guys are writing about and researching. So uh, we'd like to welcome you to Grey America. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you. I love the title of your podcast. Oh, well, That's thanks. very different. <laughs> well, it's actually a bit of a pun because Darren's last name is Grimes, but it actually, oh, it okay. kind of, it kind of fits with, you know, Grimerica as yeah. well, like with what's <laughs> going on. So, and, uh, and a fellow that helped us get started, Red Pill Junkie made our logo and, uh, it really fit with, um, you know, the UFO with the headphones and the Moai and all right. that. And I felt like I'd seen cool. that somewhere before and he just created out of nothing. So. Yeah, huh. it I looks bet he like, was an abductee. <laughs> it looks like one of those uh, statues from Easter Island. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So, and just so you guys know, we've been talking about synchronicities on the show for years now. We, uh, right. li- you know, listeners. We have a bunch of jingles. We have a bunch of even. We have <laughs> listeners that even made jingles, and we have listeners sending in emails. <laughs> and you know, Darren has been known to to rate them as part of the third-party Canadian independent <laughs> rating system. 
Uh, yeah, it's all it's all it's all good fun, but 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 seriously, we've been uh, it's been something that you know we've been I don't know ever since we started the podcast really, but I think I heard you guys talking about this way back, like probably seven or eight years ago, probably around twenty ten. That's when we did Seven Secrets of Synchronicity, yeah. and I think we were on coast to coast and on a bunch of radio shows for that. Yeah, and maybe even podcasts back then, maybe or. Sure, I think there were some, yeah. yeah. There were a few. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not like now, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I, I do remember, um, you know, and I went to uh, I went to the UFO Congress in 2013. And, and oh, you were a helper. I was a volunteer there. So, But I don't know if you, if you guys were there at all. I mean, but I, no. I definitely yeah. definitely heard about your work, and it's good to finally get to talk to you guys. And, and also, like I said, I just finished reading your your book, which is pretty mind blowing, you know, lots of good stuff in there about, (laughs) you know, some crazy synchronicities and, uh, and just uh, contact. I mean, it just so much of it resonates with, with what we talk about on the show. So I don't know where, let me me ask you a question. Do you ever find that people don't know what synchronicity is? Like when you say the word less and less. Yeah. Less and less. That's that's what we felt too. Well, since when we first started writing about this, we'd get these, strange looks like yeah. well what language is that but you know? we're, we're surprised by the number of people who don't know the word precognition uh they don't know what we're talking about when they, we we just had a book out uh, earlier this year uh called sensing the future about precognition and uh and just uh but if you say omen they know what omen they is. know what an omen is <laughs> and it's not good <laughs> Well, since we're going to jump into all kinds of synchronicity talk and stuff like that, maybe it would be fitting if I started the show with a jingle. You want to play a jingle? Oh, good. Okay. Okay. Get the mood. I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. could close with synchronicity city yeah we'll close with the one there you go so how did you guys end up you know in this thing in 2010 uh the seven secrets of synchronicity i mean a, a lot of that was a lot of that some of that in your in your latest book um synchronicity highway as well okay here's how the whole thing started <laughs> i mean i know you've probably told the story a million times but i think it's it's probably worth, worth uh, you know, talking okay. about. Okay, 36 years ago, ready? <laughs> I had my first date with Rob, and I said, do you know what synchronicity is? He goes, yeah, yeah, I think I've heard of it. That's like meaningful coincidence. And I thought, <laughs> okay, he's a keeper. <laughs> what day was it? Nobody else I'd ever dated had any clue yeah, what and, synchronicity right. was. And Trisha's uh, teaching... Uh, English as a second language to Cuban refugees after the Mario boat lift. Uh, and I was uh, working as a reporter for a newspaper and I interviewed her for uh, an article and we just uh, met that way and started talking and we both realized that we wanted to get out of our jobs and uh, <laughs> Badly. Be, be freelance writers. I was uh, doing freelance uh, magazine articles, but I uh, I wasn't ready to quit my job yet. And Trish was, meanwhile, had written her, just finished her sixth uh, unpublished novel when I met her. And uh, she gave it to me. I read it over and I suggested some revisions and she revised the book and that sold. That was her first. Yep. Uh, I thought definitely a keeper. <laughs> that was her first uh, novel. 
And uh, so then we started getting into nonfiction as well, and we decided we would write a book on synchronicity. Uh, and we tried it, and we, ju uh, we just didn't know enough at the time to be able to pull it off. And so we set it aside for, tw what, 20 years? <laughs> 25 years, I don't know. <laughs> Long time. And the, now the book, the synchronicity books just pour out of us. <laughs> That's interesting. Like we have like four of them. <laughs> See, what happened was I had read, I was in college, I had read Jung's memoir. And not long after that, a friend and I went to Europe. And so my one destination I just had to see was his castle on Lake Zurich. So we took the train to Bollingen, or however you say it. And the train was late, so there was a synchro here. Finally get into the town and walked to Lake Zurich. And who's in the backyard of the castle of this place he built? But his grandson. So I stood there talking to him for probably 30, 40 minutes about synchronicity and about Jung and, you know, how the place had changed since he had passed on. Wow. So that was, I, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. <laughs> so what happened in the 20 years between, you know, between did you guys also have synchronicities happen to you? Was there any kind of that type of thing going on before you wrote the book or yeah, there were okay here, here's one of our favorites this happened in 1987 so yeah that was stuff going on we were we had taken a trip to venezuela where i was born and i think we went to yeah we went to the gran sabana which is a place in the in, in the interior and on the way back we stopped at micatea airport to catch a flight back to the states and this was at a time when the drug cartel was really prominent. There was a lot of drug trafficking between Colombia and Venezuela. So there were all these soldiers around with, you know, big, big guns. And we're standing in line at the security. And the guy in front of me, in front of Robin, me, has a, a briefcase. He looks, you know, he's got a suit and tie on, looks very respectable, like maybe a disguised drug dealer. Yeah, he's a tall guy with a three-piece suit. And just uh, all he had was a briefcase. And uh, uh, he set it down on the table, and they tell him to open it up. And he he unlatches it, slowly lifts it up, and everybody, uh, the soldiers with their guns, and uh, lean in, and we're right behind him. We lean in. There's only one thing in the briefcase, and <laughs> it's a novel by Trish. <laughs> <laughs> but it was one I'd written under a pseudonym of Alison Drake. So it wasn't even like I could tap the guy on the shoulder and say, hey, I wrote that book, you know, because I didn't have any proof that that was me. Uh, but that that was one of the best. Yeah, and the title of the book was Fevered. And so <laughs> it was kind of a fevered pitch at that moment, too, which is very strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I noticed a lot of, I mean, in your book, there was so many really in, intense synchronicities with, um, I mean, I can think of a couple, like the name, the name ones with people with the same names. I mean, stuff, you guys must have done a lot of research, uh, you know, from gathering all these stories from around yeah. the world, really. Well, you know, when we started this, we started this blog in 2009. It's com. That's where we post most of the stuff. And we've gotten a lot of the stories just because people, at least in the beginning, people didn't seem to have anybody they could talk to yeah. about what they experienced, you know, and also, I mean, we touch on the paranormal and UFOs and all, and all the weird stuff that interests us. And apparently it interests other people too, but they don't have anybody around to discuss it with, yep. you know, because other people look at them and, oh, you weirdo. 
you know. So they could come on our blog and leave all their stories, and then we got to know a lot of these people. Yeah, yeah so we have, we've gathered a lot of stories. How many? Uh, we've over three thousand posts. Three thousand blog like posts, that. and so and we use the, so we use that as a reservoir for uh, a lot of our books. Where it just really helps out. To, and it helps flush out what synchronicity is and how people experience it. Well, maybe there's a new one. What? So your guys' first date was in 1981. Yes. What no. day? Yes. Was oh, it? November. shit. Okay. Yeah. He doesn't remember. I do. <laughs> I remember dates. <laughs> it was like right before Thanksgiving, 1980. Yeah. Oh. Then we oh. got married in July of 83. I was born on March 10th, so it's a miss. Oh, a Pisces. <laughs> One of these days. Yeah, you're much younger than we are. Perhaps not. Darren's trying to calculate a synchronicity with the dates here. <laughs> trying to work something out. <laughs> Number synchros are fascinating, you know, where people go through these periods where they see 11 11 or 111 or 11. We found a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, what, what is your definition of, or I know you guys have it in your book there, but what is, do you guys have like a, uh, a definition that you agree upon? Yeah. Basically, we consider synchronicity to be, when uh, two, when an, uh, similar inner and outer experiences come together that don't require cause, cause and effect, effect and, are meaningful. and are meaningful to the observer. Uh, so, for example, just if you're thinking of somebody from uh, high school who you haven't talked to for years and suddenly you get a... Facebook friends request from that person uh, minutes or whatever uh, after you are thinking about that person that's a synchronicity it could also be considered telepathy it could also be considered precognition all three actually yeah. and we feel that you know most paranormal things fall under the umbrella of synchronicity I mean we wrote a book called uh, aliens in the backyard about UFOs, abductions, and synchronicity, because so many of the stories we heard involve some sort of facet of synchronicity. Hmm. Do you have any examples of that with aliens and UFOs well, and synchronicity? Yeah, okay. Tell about it. Yeah, uh, there was a man in Montreal, uh, outside, of, outside of Montreal, Quebecois man, who had this experience that he had no interest at all in UFOs, and he, he thought that was something that was just out of uh, Hollywood. And uh, he, he felt that if there was such a thing, the U.S. Army or military <laughs> would be telling us. Uh, yeah, he, yeah sure. so he, he, was, he was a little naive about that. But anyhow, so one morning, he got up uh, 5 o'clock in the morning every day to drive in 45 minutes to Toronto to his job as... Uh, in an aeronautical engineering uh, company. And so this on this particular morning, his little dog would not go outside. He always lets him outside the back porch. And so he, he just nudged him with his foot and pushed him out and, and then stepped out. And then he noticed these strange lights, beam, beams of lights, like nine beams uh, shooting down in the field, the, the farm, there, his house has a backyard, and then there's a, a farmer's field behind his yard, and uh, he was 
staring at these beams that were coming down, but he couldn't see what was, it was dark and he couldn't see what what the beams were coming from. But then they started moving uh, clo- slowly in his direction. And so he said, he, he ran inside to wake up his wife. She said, you gotta see, you gotta see this, take a look at this, what is this? So she comes out and she says, this is what I saw two weeks ago uh, on my way home from work, something very similar. It looked just like this. And I told you about it and you just uh, nodded. You're watching television. You nodded. Yes, you didn't, weren't even paying attention to me. Uh, so they're standing there talking and suddenly this craft, like a UFO, a disc-shaped craft, comes in their backyard. But it's like on the edge. Yeah, it's it, like a it, coin on, on yeah, the edge. Yeah, it's standing up and comes inside this weeping willow tree, between the weeping willow tree and the house, coming right at them. And there's uh, this, uh, he turns around to pick up his dog because he wants to get out of there. He reaches for the dog and there's this beam of light, the golden light surrounding the dog as he's reaching for it. And that's the last thing he remembers. The next thing he knows, he's in the shower. He's taking a he's taking a shower, and he has no idea how he got there. And his wife is sound asleep in bed, and uh, he's totally confused. But there's no missing time. Uh, it's like time contracted. Yeah, yeah, uh, because he still made it to work on time, but he just locked his door of his office and just broke down because he, he didn't know what happened to him. It, it, and he went through uh, <laughs> uh, some very difficult uh, times after that uh, because of that experience. But and, tell about the synchronicity. Yeah, right. Okay, so uh, it was, uh, that, that was, that happened in March of 2011. 2012 in February, he thought about this every day, every day uh, of, of what happened and trying to figure it out. And so he, uh, he goes into a bookstore in Montreal in a, in a mall, and he rarely goes into bookstores because he has to read all day long uh, in his job. And so uh, he just likes to relax at night and watch television usually. So he, he's not a real book reader, but he, he went in and just started looking around and he saw a book uh, that attracted his attention. He pulls it off the shelf and it turns out to be the seven secrets of synchronicity. That Which we're, was translated into French. Yeah, and had been translated into French. He picked that up and bought it, took it home. So. Then uh, a couple of days later, he's read uh, uh, two, three chapters, and he decides to go on the internet and look up uh, synchronicity and UFOs to see what comes up. And what comes up is this picture he sees with this beam of light coming down into a field, and he thinks, that is so much like what I experience, he's thinking. Uh, and and then he, he sees... Uh, clicks on to to the picture and sees it's a, it goes to a blog and the blog uh, he sees uh, there's a story there uh, a UFO type story related story and then he he looks at the the blog and he realizes 
the the people who have the blog are the same ones who wrote that book uh us and he said i got then he realized he, he had to contact us because of that you know so it's a synchronicity about synchronicity and ufos <laughs> yeah. and and so that's how we met him and that's how we got his story which is the the main uh central story of uh, uh aliens in the backyard so then we started looking for ufo alien stories that did have synchronicities and found that so many of them do yeah any ones that jump out or that our listeners might have heard of any famous cases um well i'm trying to think here it's 10 30 now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes thanks for staying at blade for us um i mean we've had mike cleland on so we're familiar with some of his crazy synchronicities with the owls and the and yeah yeah, Mike has got a lot of yeah, the right. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> He's, um, well, actually, there, there was an experience we had with Bud Hopkins. For a while, we were doing freelance writing for Omni Magazine, and we did it for that red section, which was called well, Antimatter. Yeah, you, you might not know that magazine has been out of uh, print for a long oh, time. I remember it because it had a UFO uh, right. segment in it in the early 90s, and, and yeah. I was uh, I was looking forward to every issue that came out. This was in probably the mid-90s. And, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, it just, those, and then it those, stopped after, and I was like, why did it stop after it went into this, all this UFO stuff? And then it stopped. Yeah. I was so bummed out when they right. took yeah. it out. So you don't, you don't see that in a science magazine, oriented magazine. So that was unusual. So, so those, that's who we wrote for. Yeah, and we wrote in those red pages well, about read, the UFOs. I've, I bet you I've read yeah. a lot of your articles in that I didn't even yeah, know. You, you, you probably yeah. did. We yeah. We used to cover the UFO conferences. Yeah. That's what they wanted us to do. So we said, oh, sure, we'll go. So we met Bud Hopkins at one of these. And he uh, had been on the radio the night before and had gotten a call from this woman who claimed that she had been abducted and she wanted him to hypnotize her. Well, he needed a ride. So we rode with him up to, this was, the conference was in Hollywood. Hollywood, Florida. And we drove, it was about 40 miles north where she lived. And so he didn't have a, a, a car. He'd just taken a taxi from the airport. So we, uh, this gave us an opportunity to, uh, you know, meet him and uh, spend some time with him and, and see him in action because he was doing a lot of these cases with people who were having missing time and abduction. So we went uh with him and, and observed the abduction, yeah, the uh, hypnosis, hypnosis, and uh, it was a strange uh, situation because the, the her husband was an interesting character. He's a big guy with silver hair and a big beard, and he had this gold uh, Satan thing around his neck, and he he was and he uh, dressed in black, and he dressed in <laughs> black, and he used to be a Baptist minister, and he said he switched sides. And I think, wow, <laughs> what are, where are we? And uh, so meanwhile, the, the wife had been, had these uh, strange abduction experiences, and so. Uh, but she, okay. I'll, I'll, explain what happened yeah to her. okay so <laughs> anyhow so she she goes uh, he takes her back to the experience and she describes uh this craft uh actually it, she didn't see the craft uh these beings came into the house three of them and they just levitated her right down the hall and somehow right through the wall of the house. And then they were in this beam of light uh, being taken up to the craft and they were slowly 
rising up and uh, she could she could look down and see the surroundings and she lived right near at the time where the National Enquirer uh, was very near her house. And in the uh, every Christmas, the National Enquirer would have this uh, really huge. extensive uh, Christmas uh, display. With a huge Christmas with, tree. Uh, yeah, a huge Christmas tree and a train. And the, it was a real attra- uh, attraction. Uh, and so as she's being... Uh, lifted up there she points to the christmas tree uh and it was so funny that uh bud says what was their reaction she and she said they're not impressed (laughs) (laughs) and so and and uh if you remember the national Enquirer is uh, at, at that time was about the only publication that was uh regularly publishing uh, uh, UFO UFO stories, and uh, they later stopped doing that. But uh, at that time, that was um, one of the things they were were known for. So she was uh, 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 taken, and that uh, was kind of a a strange experience uh, for her. But now, at a period about a month later, they came over to our house (laughs) with another friend of ours who was a psychic who wanted to hear their story. And a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple of them. And while they were telling their story, we we were sitting in the living room, in the place where we lived, the townhouse, had sliding glass doors that looked out onto the parking lot. And all of a sudden, I see something darting around in the, in the cars out in the parking lot. Excuse me, I have a cat on the table here. Sitting down. <laughs> No, the the man, there was somebody who came right up to the sliding glass door and was peering in at us. And this was like one o'clock in the morning. It was really late. And uh, so then uh, we ran over there and then he's darting around between the cars. He's ducking down uh, (laughs) and he's, you know, if he he could have just disappeared easily into the darkness, but instead he would, uh, he stayed in the parking lot uh, where there was lights and he would run between cars, duck down. And it was very bizarre. He's all dressed in black. And uh, so we called the police. And the response was incredible. It was like five minutes. There were seven or eight police cars charging in. And we could not believe, you know, one o'clock in the morning, where did all these cops come from? It turned out there had been a murder less than a mile away <laughs> and that they're investigating. And they thought this might be the killer. We don't know if he was or not. Well, we, we felt he was an MIP. That was the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. The man in black for sure. <laughs> wow. So what do you guys think about the, like in your book, you have a chapter on um, colossal coincidences, like, and, and we've, we've been talking to a lot of guests lately about these, these, the way these dates line up or these things in, whether it's uh, like, what do you think, Dan, like Hollywood or the occult type stuff and, and the amount of coincidences, because it's not really like a meaningful coincidence. So I don't know if it could be called a synchronicity, but the amount of coincidences that add up for these events or even like, so it could be an event, it could be multiple events or, and you guys, Knowles gets into a lot of, yeah, they get, yeah, he gets into a lot of those. So you guys talk about some of these in your book, like the Titanic and JFK and Uh like, you know, uh, intertwined storms and nine 11, the global consciousness project, all that kind of stuff. So like, how do you, 
how do you explain what do you guys think is going on at, at the higher level like not not personal synchronicities but these yeah like, i think I, to me these are global synchros yeah. i mean you you can watch any news night you know and if it's something that's big you know some big story there's going to be a synchronicity there usually is um whether, you know, 9-11, there were a lot of them. The Titanic, of course. You know, if the Titanic had happened these days, people would be texting and Snapchatting while the boat was going down. But, you know, back in 1912, Broadcasted. whatever it was, you know, it's... Um, hold on. i got to move my cat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Wait a minute. There, uh, Get out of here. There's some interesting synchronicities between the... Uh, the terrorism attacks of Aurora, uh, Colorado, uh, at the uh, when the the premiere of the uh, Dark Knight Rises, and the uh, Sandy yeah. Hook uh, yeah. Yeah. killings. Yeah. That is very strange because in in that case the uh, the Dark Knight Rises, the the man was entering. And they uh, in the theater with his gun, and people thought it was a gimmick because it was the first day of the opening, and he starts shooting, and then of course they know it's not a gimmick. And when the and the, when the movie starts, the same thing happens. There's a guy entering a theater shooting people. But what's really weird is that in the Dark Knight Rises, there was the name Sandy Hook is written on a map that's seen in the movie, and. That happened, what, only five months or something? And, and the I name Aurora also appears yeah. in uh, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, so five that's, months, 1,800 miles apart. It's, it's almost like it, the universe is saying, okay, all these things are connected. You know, if, if you, and you'll realize what the connection is, if you can, you know, pay attention. Yeah, I kind of agree. It's, it's almost not... Um... It's, it doesn't seem to be possibly human created. Like I feel like it's, there's a bigger thing and it reminds me, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but it reminds me of like, uh, you know, a digital or a simulated universe. I mean, for some, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way these things are orchestrated it, from some higher, it can, what can only be some sort of higher power. It's, it's, and you guys go through a whole list of these. Like if people, if you're just to, to put all the little, uh, you know, stories and events that you have in your book. I mean, it's a huge list of these crazy, yeah, crazy, really uh, right. crazy, you know, it's things like that you can't explain. A, right. Mm-hmm. It's only like, it's like we're seeing only seeing a part of the picture. There's something larger going on that we're just getting little glimpses of it. And it comes through synchronicities. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Go ahead. But, but these are big global synchros and they, it, they point to this connection, you know, I mean, every so often we'll be watching Rachel Maddow or something, and she'll say, yeah, you know, listen to this coincidence. I'm thinking to myself, look, I bet she knows what synchronicity is, but she doesn't want to use the word, you know, but she recognizes it's about recognizing patterns, you know, that are that are bigger than us. Speaking of recognizing patterns, what do you guys think about the, the thought that these synchronicities are kind of little, almost like... Um, Almost like deja vu in a lot of ways of some, but but the opposite of instead of being deja vu of a past event, a synchronicity of something is some 
is some glimpse of some yeah. some future reward or some future mm -hmm. of not doesn't have to be good per se but it's some sort of future something that's significant enough that you're noticing the the very early droplets of it right yeah yeah we wrote about a number of things like that in our sensing the future book just trying to I mean, we also wrote about it in a personal way, you know, that these things, precognition happens to people. But like with this uh, Dark Knight Rises and the Sandy Hook app or whatever it was that I just mentioned, you know, that that was precognitive. Yeah. On, on somebody's part, you yeah. know, maybe the movie, the people who wrote the thing. I mean, there was a case of The Dave. Simpsons, remember? Yeah. When we wrote about The Simpsons. Yeah. Um, let me find this. David Charles Plate has done a good job of like highlighting some of the crazy alignments he's found between music albums and like Movie and movies. movies. And it's like there's you know there's no way that these people were all in cahoots to make these things line up. And he's just <laughs> right, like it's exactly. fucking insane. <laughs> well, part of it I think is that creative people, you know, when you tap into that zone. Yeah. You you tap into the collective soup. Right. You know, anybody who's who's creative could could go into that soup and find the same thing. Yeah. But yeah. maybe not in the same way. That's why know? inventions are created at the same time, maybe exactly. uh, across the world. And yeah. Yeah. Hundredth monkey, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> so it's so fascinating. Yeah. There's an artist. I can't think of his name now, unfortunately. He uh, painted this huge mural in I think it was the late 80s. And it uh, shows a, a picture That's of funny. both uh, nature and also a urban uh, setting. And it shows the Twin Towers and it shows them burning. And at the bottom of it, it shows an image of a man who looks very much like George Bush <laughs> with a terrorist standing next to him. And, uh, and then there's a penis sticking up out of the ground <laughs> that is Dick Cheney. <laughs> Circumcised? I don't know. It is, it is the most bizarre painting, though. But, 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 but Yeah, but it's almost like the because of the the um the weight of that event it almost feels like there was more art artist and creative uh synchros like from all the movies that had some weird thing in there about 9 11 right. and all the all the art right. and the simpsons and al album covers i mean it's almost like because of the exactly. gravity because of the gravity of that emotional state or something that more people picked up on it precognitively well, you know, uh, in that September 21st, 1997 episode of The Simpsons, Lisa holds up a magazine that has this large 9-11 and New York City map on the cover. The 11 is created by the Twin Towers, and the 9 is actually part of the headline of the magazine's cover story about a $9 bus fare to New York. But when you see them together, the magazine title says New York 9-11. Yeah, no, yeah. 1997? You know, that yeah. was four years before. Yeah. So it's the thought that an, an event that big would just have these crazy, significant ripples. Yeah. And people tap into it. And uh, the the number eleven, of course, looks like the twin towers. And there's so many synchronicities related to that number. New York City has eleven letters. Afghanistan has eleven letters. George W. Bush has eleven <laughs> letters. Uh, New York is the 11th state. 
The Twin Towers uh, forms, like I said, the number 11. The first plane crashing into the Twin Towers was Flight 11. And Flight 11 was carrying 92 passengers. Nine plus two equals 11. It goes on and on. Just uh, It's mind-boggling. Yeah. yeah. So do you think the UFO connection to synchronicity could have something to do with synchronicity being humans sort of noticing these consciousness... I don't know what you know, call them, almost like murmurs. Um, David Bohm, he, he theorized that you have the implicate order, which is the underlying order of everything. And out of that comes everything, space, time, and it unfolds into the explicate or the external order. And what I think is that synchronicity it's right, right, along the border. Right along the border. Between those two things. It's uh, it's leaking through from the right. underlying reality uh-huh. and, and uh, give, giving us hints. Uh, it's, uh, synchronicities help to expand our awareness if we're aware, if we're awake. Uh, so, so it's almost like you, I mean, this is what I've been thinking of too since you guys have been talking is sort of what Darren mentioned. So maybe UFOs and this other dimension because you mentioned paranormal as well i mean you could probably lump mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff as being on that border as well i think so too yeah. yeah i mean you know i mean whitley streber believes that a lot of the alien thing the aliens actually have a, a very deep connection with the dead right and i've often uh there's a lot of cases where people who have uh abduction experiences see people they know who who are dead who yeah. are dead yeah. and so uh then the question is are they are the aliens bringing them there just to comfort the person and the, but actually it freaks them out even more that you have <laughs> aliens and the dead friends <laughs> together uh and uh there, there is one particular case of a person who was abducted after going to a rock concert, and uh, uh, when the experience she had was that as she she's put on this table, who who comes in the room but the lead singer from I can't remember the name of the group yeah, now, uh, and and she says she says what's he doing here, and they they telepathically tell her we thought we thought that's what you would like <laughs> and then the, 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 the he, he morphed into an alien then he morphs into an alien so there's a question are they dead really there or are they is are they just uh appearing to present uh the the image of a dead person or somebody in this case the the rock singer that she had just uh, <laughs> just seen <laughs> yeah yeah Wow. Well, I mean, we might as well get your take on, you know, a couple different topics that are obviously related. But since you guys are here, um, like abductions, of course, and and then disclosure as well. I mean, we might as well talk about a couple of that, those things. So as far as abductions go, like, do you have, I mean, you guys have done so much research over the years. Do you think that, um, like, what's your take on that? Well, here's one thing. After we published these nine blog posts, on this Canadian man. It started with the first one. We started getting on our counter hits from every acronym government agency, including the Royal Canadian 
Royal Canadian Mounted Police, no. who stayed on for eight hours. No. <laughs> it was like they assigned somebody. Yeah, they assigned somebody to do that. Yeah, that person would lose his job. If <laughs> so this is, this is sorry, this is when, you're, when you started your Cinco blog? Yeah, well, this is when we did these posts on this the, Montreal, the, this Canadian okay, case. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, okay. Case. We, okay. had, we, we uh, published nine uh, articles related to, nine posts uh related to this particular case. And that's started attracting the attention of all the NSA. Uh, yeah, we had, DNA. let's see, the we had the Department wow. of Defense, the FBI, the U.S. Department of Defense Network Information System, the Navy Network Information System, the FCC, the Department of Defense Network, and the Social Security Administration, which what? I thought was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> when was when uh, was this again? How long ago? Two, this was in 20... 2013. Oh, 2013. Wow. Oh, holy shit. Okay. Yeah. And then the 754th Electronic Systems Group, which I had to look up. There's some, if you Google them, they are some very weird organization, government. But, you know, and that, that led us to believe, oh, my God, none of these people know what's going on. So they're reading these things thinking, okay, well, here's another piece, you know. And uh, it seems like each agency knows a little, a, a bit of the story, and they're trying to find out what everybody else knows and put it together. So, I mean, there is you know, uh, the concept that after the Blue Book came out that uh, there was no, no more uh, investigations by the government in UFOs is uh, just bogus because it definitely continued. And now with these uh, revelations uh, that came out a, a couple months ago that there was the, uh, another uh, organization that lasted for five, six years that was in investigating uh, UFOs and uh, the guy. It was, was the beginning of disclosure then, New York yeah, Times. Yeah, and yeah, and it was on. That's and the significant thing. It was on the front page of the Sunday New York Times, yeah. and to get any kind of article in any page on the New York Times <laughs> is very uh, difficult. And and they spent like uh, weeks. Uh, working on this and uh, digging into it to before they uh, before they published it so that uh, is a, a See, we just we just step. spent uh, uh, two days with Whitley Strieber he his wife who died in 2015 had directed him to come to this spiritualist community that's north of Orlando called Casa Dega. So we know him from his podcast and having been on. So he asked us if we could come up. And yeah, that's a, it was actually a synchronicity. Yeah. He had uh, emailed us and asked us, "Do you do have you ever yeah. heard of Casa Dega, Florida? And oddly enough, we were in Orlando at the time, which is about half an hour away. And Trish wrote back and said, yeah, I just gave a, an astrology workshop uh, there yesterday. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> uh, so then Whitley said, OK, and he decided he had to he had to go there. It's a spiritualist community. Uh, only Where everybody about, talks to the dead. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has uh, little placards on their of uh, their doorstep and by their gate, uh, their uh, reverend so-and-so, medium, uh, uh, mediums and uh, psychics. And so it's uh, it's a kind of a fascinating little. So he also told um, 
Peter. Yeah. So uh, we also met. If you if you uh, if you ever had Peter Lavenda on your show, he's a very interesting. Yeah. Person. Yeah. Well, he's on the wish list for sure. We've been talking oh, about great. it. Yeah. 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 We've met Peter for years. Uh, so he met us up there yeah, too. He, he well, was yeah, up send there. Him our, send him our email. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's quite. He's a, fascinating too. He's he's this Tom DeLonge stuff that he's doing is really interesting. Yeah, he he uh, wrote the Tom DeLonge's. Uh, uh, can't remember the name of the book. It's long. Secret. Secret uh, machines. I think it's called. Yes, yes, yeah, machines, yeah, that's right. It. Yeah. I mean, they're both uh, names are on there, but Peter is uh, actually the author. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I realized that. Wow, yeah, because he's got some really interesting work with his experiences in South uh, South America, I think, and the underground bases uh-huh. and stuff too. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Yeah, he's a he's a mysterious character. I email him, and he's he's in Malaysia, or he's in Amsterdam, he's moving around, and. Uh, you know, and we we uh, and Whitley said at one point to us, uh, "Who the hell is this Peter?" Anyhow, <laughs> you know, and uh, like we're supposed to know. <laughs> uh, and you know, because he has these connections with intelligence agencies, and but he he denies that he is a spook or a former spook. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is. If 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 he was, he would deny it, and if he isn't, he would deny it. But one, one time, he, one time he just told me right out that uh, he was headed to uh, uh, California because he was going to uh, a convention of r- retired intelligence agents. <laughs> so, what is that? You know, yeah. I mean, so we we sat around that night and talked for hours. You know, just about all kinds of interesting, weird stuff. And uh, and the funny thing at Casadega, we, you know, Trish and I. Uh, been there many times and we know some psychics we have had many readings there and we, uh, we uh, convinced Whitley to go have one of this particular woman and then we said Peter are you going to get a reading too and he said well, I would but uh, then I'd have to kill her then yeah exactly exactly <laughs> if I told you I'd have to kill you yeah so, so did, I mean, knowing him, and and do you think that this this whole Tom DeLonge thing and this is is legit, or is it a more of a psyop, or what's your feeling on that? It is legit. Yeah, uh, suppo- supposedly DeLonge has been cut out now. I don't know what that means, but uh, you know, he he was, uh, I think, last year given an award as the UFOlogist of the year by somebody. And uh, for his work, and he, you know, he put to put this together uh, with a lot of. Uh, yeah, was, he was with John Podesta. Yeah, he and Peter, and when they were working on this book. So a lot of, you know, government uh, people, former government people that, uh, and who who is the um, the scientist? Um, oh, Hal Putoff. Hal Putoff as well, and so it's amazing, you know, that the connections he was able to make, you know, going from, uh, you know, Blink-182 to UFOs and uh, uh, putting together this this uh, organization that he he's uh, involved in. I think so, Hal Putoff is the one to talk to. He's been around for everything. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, yeah. It's a remote viewing. Back, and, from Star, yeah. back from Stargate and all that. And, yeah, I know, that's it's fascinating. Exactly. Bookham Grambo. 
He, how old must he be now? 95 or something. He's ready, he's ready to come clean. Yeah, he's been on the wish list too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, get him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, so, so, okay. So getting back to the question on abductions, cause you guys started out by saying that uh, Montreal, that happened and all these agencies are following you guys or, or at least peeking in. So does that give you a sense that, there is a MyLab aspect to most abductions, or do you think it's kind of an ET thing? Like, do you have do you have a stance either way on that? I think it's. I think it's a combination. Yeah. Uh, we we have one story. I don't know if it's in this particular book. Uh, it might I think it might about be in Connie. Aliens in the Backyard about it's Aliens in the Backyard. Yeah, where uh, this woman was uh, in the process of moving from. Um, where was she moving from? From Georgia. From from Georgia to uh, Saint St. Augustine, Augustine, right? And, uh, from around Atlanta to Saint Augustine, and so her husband. What was, a beautiful <laughs> town, Saint Augustine. Yeah, it, it really is. is yeah. Okay, this was November ninth, nineteen eighty one. That's significant. That's about the time I met you. I didn't realize that. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay, she was making that move. Her husband was driving the truck with all their belongings. She was following it in this, uh, what kind of a car was it? was it? a Regency Oldsmobile sedan Huge. with a V8 454 cubic inch engine. Another was big. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and fast. And she was with one of the sons. One of the or her three sons. And so driving along, and she's in Florida. On I-75. Right. And some uh, somehow she... <clears throat> No, they were about 100 miles south of Atlanta, near Macon. Hardly any traffic. It was dark. And suddenly she realized she weren't they weren't on the interstate anymore. They were she and her son were driving on a strange grid of roads. Okay, with no buildings in sight. She didn't see anything she recognized. She was really tired, but she kept driving. The next thing she knew, she and her son were on their knees outside their vehicle on a black asphalt tarmac tarmac near airplane hangars, sobbing hysterically. Circling overhead, I'm reading from the book, were several noisy helicopters and three round, softly grumbling spacecraft. In front of her and her son were a group of greys and several military men in fatigues and heavy boots who held what she described as massive looking assault weapons. Hmm. Talk about being freaked out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, but I mean, having said that, it doesn't mean that they're ET. I guess, right? I mean, if if you'd, some people would say they could be fabricated, I mean, I don't know if I, well, I, mean, I don't know where thing. I stand on the whole thing myself. I mean, maybe the whole thing's fabricated. Yeah, you know, maybe yeah. that that's it's like trying to make your way through the Matrix. You know, the movie. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't know, yeah. but but I mean, for her, they the military people threatened her, but she was sobbing so hard she didn't understand what. I guess they were saying if you ever t- tell anybody what happened, we will, whatever, kill your family or whatever. But then the next thing she knows is that they're driving this grid of roads again, and they come to like a convenience store. And so Connie runs into the convenience store and, and asks the woman how to get off the, it was an airbase, And the woman said, well, you have to, you get off the same way you came in. It was Warner Robins Air Force Base. And Connie didn't know how she got in. So at some point, she got out again onto I-75. And by the time she and her son made made it to um, St. Augustine, her husband thought she'd been killed or in a car accident or something. You know? 
and this is in the days before cell phones, so it's not like they could contact each other. Um, but anyway, there was a period of a missing, I think, three or four hours. Mm-hmm. And when they got to St. Augustine, Ted was ready to call the cops and, you know, send out the battalions to try and find them. Mm. But it's, her story is strange. I mean, she's a lifelong abductee, whatever that means. Exactly. Yeah, Another uh, contact with uh, another man, uh, Quebecois, man from Montreal, who listened to us on Coast to Coast talking about the other man. And uh, he was, he is somebody who has had these encounters since he was a child. Uh, The first one he remembers when he was uh, at his grandparents' house, he was riding his tricycle in the basement around when he sees the 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 uh, basement window, he stops, and there's these uh, legs that are in these silver encased uh, leggings, and then there's a, a beam, and uh, that's that's the last thing he remembers. But just he was totally fearful after that; he would never go down in that basement. So he had a number of. Uh, different experiences throughout his life and uh so one uh one morning he woke up uh just feeling terrified and uh just overwhelmed by this impending sense of doom and uh his blinds were closed and but suddenly the room was just inundated with white light and the next thing he remembered he was pinned to a vertical table in what uh, looked like an underground cavern with a, a rocky ceiling and rocky walls. And there were other people who were also strapped to tables in the room and they all appeared to be unconscious. And then these men in lab coats, humans, uh, and, and also small milky beige colored beings were moving about. And two men with uh, weapons were standing not far from him. And one of the, uh, one of them, one of the, one, what he calls the little bastards, uh, <laughs> aliens that were, was right in front of him. And a voice in his head said, you are not to speak of this to anyone. Uh, so I, so, so I, I felt my head being pushed down. My chin was driven into my chest and I felt the back of my neck being stretched to its limit. Uh, I won't, I won't, I promised, uh, he answered. Uh, and the next thing he remembered, he was back in bed. It was 3.30 a.m. So he, he had experience like this over and over. So uh, I was collecting his experiences and uh, going back and forth with him on email. And suddenly he said, I can't talk to you anymore. I've been... Uh, I've been getting strange telephone calls from all over the world where people just hang up on me God. and I don't know anybody in these places and maybe I'm being paranoid, but uh, I'm just uh, cutting this off. I can't, I can't talk to you anymore. And that was the last I heard from him. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. Sometimes people are just too scared to, to go on, you know, uh, and he was not a happy camper. He wasn't a, a so-called experiencer. The people who actually enjoy being a <laughs> I don't know if they enjoy it. It's just no, their some, attitude. Some do it. They have a positive attitude about it, and they think they're doing something worthwhile. Yeah, it's interesting to know that what the difference is between the people, you know, where they have the negative and positive <laughs> experiences. Have you guys ever had any experiences yourself at all? Like whether it's just sightings or sightings. Or- yeah. We had like three sightings uh, last year. Uh, 
that uh, one was over Barnes and Noble. Yeah, <laughs> we'd gone inside and I'd found a UFO book, and we come outside with the book, and I said, "Hey, Rob, what is that?" And we look up now. There's other people in the parking lot. Nobody's looking up. Yeah, it's this bright light, uh, several hundred feet right above us, and uh, we can't see what's behind the light, and there's no sound coming from it. It's not a helicopter. It's just there and shining down. And so we stood there five uh, minutes ten. or <laughs> 10 minutes or just watching it. And then Trish said, oh, I want to go over to the drugstore. And so uh, I drove just like a block away to this drugstore and, and parked in the corner. And, and so she went inside. And then I see the light over the hovering over this uh uh, golf course, and it was just like there was one window of through the trees where I could see the golf course, and there it was. It was like it was, it was appearing just for for us. I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, we're here. Yeah, and we and then we had another case. Uh, oddly enough, that uh, this is a synchronicity. It uh, this it happened in the town of Jupiter, Florida, <laughs> <laughs> and that was that was this. Uh, a few months earlier than that, uh, we had uh, met a, a friend who lived uh, north of Jupiter in the town of Stewart, and so we met halfway up. Uh, we're, we're near West Palm Beach, and uh, so uh, we had uh, dinner with him, and then we went in our separate ways. We're coming back, and we see these red lights, and I, I first think it's like a radio tower. Or construction, you know, lights that yeah, they put on construction uh, stuff. I see it through the trees, and then we see an opening, and then we see these lights in the sky, and we pull into this vacant lot. There were a lot of them. Yeah, and, and there's this biker uh, <laughs> and his Harley, and he's freaking out watching these lights, and he's... He's uh, on the phone with his wife going, honey, honey, the world as we know has ended. <laughs> <laughs> he was just totally flipped out at yeah. us. And so, you know, we're watching these lights. Uh, I don't know what they were. They were just moving around. Uh, and, the, and then they just started blinking out. There were eight of them. Yeah. It was very strange. <laughs> so, so what do you, what do you guys think over the last 20 years, you know, 10 years, things have changed a lot. What are you, what are your hope? Do you have hopes that, you know, well, it's going to continue thing, as it opened up quite a bit. More open. Yeah. People are becoming more open, which, yeah. which is really important. You know, instead of, instead of abductees remaining quiet and suffering in silence, you know, a lot of people are stepping forward and that's good. Yeah. In the eighties, it was hard was to awful. talk. It was hard to talk about this stuff. I mean, we had an interest in it and, uh, but we were spurned, <laughs> but now it's just uh, a lot, a lot easier to uh, present this information. Uh, and I have hope. I mean, that Leslie Keene thing in, in the Times, that was, that's a huge step. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's just people, are pe yeah, it's just people are still like the UFO community itself seems skeptical now. Like they're the more skeptical ones than the, than the mainstream. Like I have all these, you know, a couple of friends that are like, oh, you know, I believe now because they saw it in the New York Times. And it's right, like, yeah. well, you mm -hmm. know. It's, it's, it's just like Roswell, the UFO people, let them don't believe it, but uh, people who don't have a great, you know, interest in the, the UFO field, if there's anything they know about and believe, it's Roswell. And yet Joe McBonigle, uh, we have a section, we have an interview with him in the Synchronicity Highway, yeah. where one of the things we asked him was, have you ever remote viewed Roswell? And I mean, his, his response was, yeah, he has, and it didn't happen there. <laughs> Yeah. 
Elsewhere, Corona. Yeah, Corona, I think it was. Uh, Let's see. I think like 50, 70 miles. uh, Yeah, he says, um, I don't believe it ever happened. It's my belief that the real crash was a two-part crash that took place in Socorro, New Mexico, approximately 170 miles west-northwest of Roswell. It's actually almost due west, just south of Albuquerque, and just north of Truth and Consequences. A crash occurred there that is almost never referred to. If someone brings up the crash at Socorro, Almost without exception, Roswell becomes the front page news. They use Roswell as a distraction to draw people away from the crash crash site at Socorro, which I believe is the more important crash site. Mm-hmm. And Joe was remote viewer number one. He's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard him before, and fantastic yeah. guy. Yeah. So, so you have hope for the for the future in this field of all synchronicities, UFOs, abductions, all that. The 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 truth will keep leaking out drip drip disclosure and people will continue opening up i sure hope so it's uh it's more interesting than uh hearing this trump stuff every day (laughs) you know i mean we live in a world that's just uh 24 7 trump and so it's a it's a nice distraction and but the problem is but this is the real stuff but the yeah. problem, but the problem is, it's not the real stuff for the no. uh, right. mainstream media or science. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> so they they're still just uh, blowing it off, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my point. Is I could care less about the me- well. I mean, I do care about the media because they're it's just such a joke. But the, <laughs> but it's the scientific community and academia that frustrates me because they're all. But it seems like they're just part of the problem. They're they're a big part of the problem. They just ignore all the yep. evidence and. Yeah, you know, yeah. stuck in their little well, materialist are. paradigm here. Where like exactly. we're, we're a schizophrenic yeah. society. We're living in, you know, where people have all these experiences, all these sightings that are unexplainable, and a lot of people aren't dogmatic about what it is. But this, you know, and then we're living in this crazy scientific paradigm materialism where, you know, none of this is possible. Like it's got to break well, open eventually. Yeah. Well, part of the part of the problem is how prominent skeptics are. That's you know, exactly like this Michael Shermer. I mean, the guy who started Skeptical Inquirer, man, he thinks that synchronicity is just total bullshit yeah. until he experienced a really powerful synchronicity himself. Yeah, himself. And uh, then he had to have a r- real uh, – he wrote a column in, I think, Scientific, uh, American. Scientific American about his own uh, – uh, synchronicity uh, and spirit contact, basically, story. Is that, that, is that uh, the one through the radio? And all? Yes, radio that the radio. was on. Uh, with that was from uh, his new wife's uh, owned by her grandfather, who she really missed, and she was getting married. Uh, and she was all, you know, didn't have any family with her. Right, and she, I think, she was uh, European, and so far from her uh, her home and. Her, her origins yeah, and she was origins. uh that radio came on uh, uh just before the wedding and uh then it's uh that radio she had she'd hung on to it uh just because it was her grandfather said it never worked at all and then it was playing this like a romantic uh, love song and and then it uh shut it off. played for a day and then that yeah, that was it that was it and never played again yeah so he was a by that yeah so how do you explain something like that yeah, you exactly. know yeah that's the problem i feel like they're propped up you know they're propped up by the media <laughs> people they there is it, there, there does seem to be a power that be you know that the powers that be that want to just keep us 
down, you know, without yeah. realizing that there's more out there. I mean, I, but I, I feel like there's only a matter of time before the internet and a bunch of these shows and stuff start breaking, breaking it open. Well, I think, I think, yeah, I think shows like this do help break it open. You know, it gives people an alternative. Well, and yeah. books like yours, I mean, you guys have been writing about this. How many books do you have out now about about this? And it's just, you know, case after case and story after story. I mean, you, you can't read all this and just ignore it. I mean, the, some of the no. synchronicities you guys put in there about the people with their names, um, <laughs> the same names and the same stuff. Like, you just, you couldn't even put a an odds on that. Like, it's it's beyond yeah. beyond chance completely. See, if you included that in a fiction novel, the editor would say nobody will believe that. Right. Uh, you know? Yeah, you know, there's another good story of synchronicity related uh, to, uh, to UFOs uh, when we couldn't think of them when you asked her earlier, but <laughs> here's one. So uh, Bruce Kernan and I wrote a book called The Fog uh, about the Bermuda Triangle, and now we have a new book out called Beyond the Bermuda Triangle. Uh but anyhow, uh, this was how many years ago was it that when we went to uh, Andros? Andros yeah. 2009. Yeah, we were, we were invited to go to Andros Island uh, for uh, UFO hunters to be interviewed. Uh, and they, they were doing something that touched on the Bermuda Triangle, but, but it was more about OTEC, the Atlantic Undersea Test and Evaluation. Very strange place. Uh, yeah, it's a secret Navy base. Yep. On, yep. It's got uh, a bunch of helicopters and everything, too. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Uh, and You won't believe the story. <laughs> the story is incredible. <laughs> so so we were, uh, Bruce and I were interviewed on, on the beach there, and <clears throat> then Bill Burns, uh, who is kind of the head of the, the chief of the uh, UFO hunters, said, Okay, we've been trying to get a hold of the commander and interview, get into the base and have a, uh, an interview with the commander and ask about the the UFOs, why this place is called the Underwater uh, Area 51, because most of the base is actually underwater, 60, 60 or 70% of it in their submarine uh, base there. And... Um, so he said the producers have called and called and not only do they say no they don't say anything they don't they don't respond so let's go there and and see, go to the uh, and see if we can get in and see if we can we'll bring the cameras and uh, sound and everything and see what happens so we we hopped in this jeep and drove over uh, to the base and we stopped about a, about I would say about 50 60 yards from the from the gate and got out. We all got out and the equipment got the equipment ready to to approach the gate. And so suddenly, a couple of strange things happen. A black helicopter rises <laughs> up from behind the gate and comes up and hovers up right above us. And then two cop cars come up and approach the gate. Instead of pointing at the gate, they come in sideways, so they're they're nose to nose, blocking the gate. <laughs> and uh, so we had started walking that direction. We hit, we have the cop cars blocking the gate, and we have this black helicopter above us. And Bill Burns stops and says, "You know, I don't think we're welcome here." <laughs> so we retreated and, and left. Uh, so. Move ahead five, four, five, four or five months. Away. Yeah, four or five months later, uh, that happened in April and in September. We were in Sarasota, Florida, helping our daughter move into her her dorm. She was going to a, a college there, 
And so that evening, after we uh, helped her move in, uh, Trish and I decided to go downtown Sarasota and restaurant and see what was going on in the downtown. And we we see this uh, bar restaurant where it's uh, kind of partially open and outdoors. With band it's, it's got a it's got a band playing, and it's very crowded. But we walk in and see if we can find a table there's no tables but there's a high top with two seats open and the only they were virtually it was virtually the only seats available in the whole bar we want or in the whole restaurant we walk up and ask the people if there's anybody sitting there and said no go ahead so we sit down and the band is playing and uh when the the, the band takes a break and we start talking to these people and who are we talking to <laughs> but the commander of Autech. He retired. <laughs> he retired. He was the commander in April when we were there and he had just retired. And uh, so we started talking to him uh, and I, I explained about UFO hunters and how we tried to get in to see him. And he looks at his uh, girlfriend uh, and she says, he says, I need another drink. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, uh, he, and then the band played and it was hard to talk to him again and but i wanted to talk to him about the ufo stuff because he was very interested in listening but he wouldn't say anything but then he handed me his email address i thought this is great you know i got his email address then he asked us if we wanted to go to another bar with him and we should have and we should have but we didn't we were tired and we left and i lost the email address i just had a feeling you were going to say that (laughs) but what are the odds yeah of something like that the one that bro- did, did, you, did you just try like command x commander at autech.com no didn't work yeah is that a, is that a so can i just uh summarize that again so is that um autech base or that that area of underwater area 51 near the bermuda triangle did you say yeah it's, yeah it's, uh, it's andros island that's kind of weird isn't it that Andros Island is the largest island in the Bahamas, but it's almost uninhabited. Most of it is forest and uh, sinkholes uh, and underwater passages. Uh, Now, here's another weird thing. When we were leaving, Bruce was flying, and Rob and I were sitting in the back. And At one point in my life, I took flying lessons, and I was looking at his navigational equipment, and all of a sudden, the islands vanished. On the, GPS. On, the, on the GPS, I said, Rob, oh, this cannot be good. <laughs> and so Bruce didn't say anything, and neither did his wife. We go on, get to like, I don't know, Paradise Island or something, and from there he turns back towards Palm Beach and the east coast of Florida. And once we landed, it worked. So I've, I said to Bruce, I said, Bruce, what happened? He said, I don't know. Well, what happened is he flew right over the base, which he shouldn't have done. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and we, we talked to somebody later who is a civilian employee and uh, to, uh, a former civilian employee. And I told him that story and he said, oh, you got hit by a, an E-bomb. <laughs> uh, and Bruce had his equipment checked out the next day yeah, and it worked fine. Yeah, it worked fine uh, the next day, but uh, it, uh, it just blanked out the... The radar or the GPS. Hmm. That's crazy. I didn't realize that. That uh, I mean, you wonder what that whole island's like. All the underwater yeah. tunnels and attack and. Listen, yeah. I went around every place we went on Andros. I asked employees, "Hey, what do you know about attack?" <laughs> oh, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Get anybody to talk. They're the biggest but, employer. But so. But, 
However, the former civilian employer, employees do talk, uh, and uh, we've met uh, several of them. They had some really interesting stories. Um, one of them talked about being in a submarine when uh, <clears throat> the suddenly all the electronic equipment uh, went crazy, went out, and uh, for like three minutes, and then it came back on, and they f discovered they were 100 miles away in the tongue of the ocean, which is 6,000 feet deep, from where they had been three minutes earlier. It was an impossible shift of the of uh, locations of, of the submarine. Uh, and another guy was on a ship when the radar picked up that there was an island out uh, several miles out in front of them. It was them. an object the size of an island. An object, yeah. Mm -hmm. not a, well, they thought, it, you know, yeah. it's an object the size of an island. It was a, like a mile across. They're moving towards it, and it's in a place where they're in the tongue of the ocean where it's 6,000 feet deep. There's no there's no islands out there, and they're, they're moving towards it, and then suddenly it just sinks like it sinks down and it just vanishes uh from the radar and the rate they had the they reported it they had the radar checked out the radar is working perfectly fine and uh you know we heard uh there are a lot of stories like yeah. this <laughs> yeah and, and, uh, you wonder yeah. if it's one of those portal areas you know that uh, yeah you know it very well could be. yeah and some kind of uh undersea uh ufo base possibly yeah. that uh Possibly that Autech has something to, uh, to do with its, you know. The, I mean, it, they call it a secret base, and uh, it's it's not secret because you can you can find it on Google Earth. But uh, what they do is what's secret about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they say they, you know, they work with uh, torpedoes and recovering torpedoes <laughs> and practicing. And when was the last time the U.S. military shot, shot a, shot torpedo. a torpedo? Yeah. I think it was the Korean War. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're spending millions just to rent this space from the Bahama government uh, just to shoot torpedoes. I don't think so. Yeah, that's a good point. Right on, guys. Well, it's been it's been a good chat here. Do you guys want to say? Is there anything else you guys want to say before we start wrapping it up about your work? Or I mean, we're going to link well, to your website and all that. Synchronicities. Yeah. Well, <laughs> stories. Yeah. But and, send uh, us send us them first, though. We don't want to take away any from our show. But yeah, you're well, welcome yes, to send it to you guys after. Yeah. So <laughs> what if uh, what if what if we read some of yours uh, that you've got in your book on the show? That okay? Yeah, that's sure. fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Aliens in the Backyard is probably, would be of great interest to your listeners, just because it's about UFOs and abductions yeah. and synchronicity. But if you want to use any of the stories on uh, synchronicity sure. highway, go ahead and read them. That's great. No problem. Also, Sensing the Future, we've got quite a lot of strange stuff there about precognition and yeah. synchronicity. Oh, yeah. Precog's the one that you just came out with? Yeah, that came yeah, out in January, January of last year. Yeah. Okay. We call those ripple sticks. Of last yeah. year, you're yeah. yeah. And then what's what are you guys working on now? We have a book called uh, Secrets of Spirit Communication coming out in August. Um, the, that's uh, kind of a follow-up to our book, Synchronicity on the Other Side. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's the the next one coming oh, up. We're oh, always wow. we're, we also write novels. We've uh, I was working on them. Uh, I probably actually I have a whole another life uh, past life actually. <laughs> I wrote uh, seven Indiana Jones novels uh, 
for Lucasfilm and Bantam Books, including The Last Crusade. That was in my past. Nice. Yeah, well, that's good. You guys should keep in touch and let us know when that when that spirit communication one comes out. Uh, that uh, yeah. sounds uh, sounds really interesting. There's some great stories in that. <laughs> that also involve synchronicity. Of course. <laughs> right on. Well, I'm gonna. Thanks for staying up late for us. I'm gonna put all the links to uh, your website and all that in the show notes okay, so people can great. check it out. And, and when this uh, goes up, just send us a link. Yeah. I'll put it up. Blog too. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, great. Well, thanks so much, guys. Yeah, this is fun. Thank you. Great time. Yeah, oh, thank you. Thanks, thanks a lot. Okay. Okay, we'll care. talk to you soon. Okay, yeah. bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. I want a good skull from a synchronicity. Graham reads it out, then Darren might give it to me. Hey, don't you please read it low. Yeah. How long were we talking to? Hour and 15 minutes. And that was our chat. That was good. That was a fun one. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to read some of those one day. There's some pretty fucking crazy stuff. Maybe you could sneak them into the quote of the week somehow. That's what I mean. Yeah. Well, I'm almost out of UFO quotes. No, I'm never out of UFO quotes. Well, big thanks to Trish and we used to do work for Autech. Did in you my, in my old life? Is it A U T E C? What A U T E C? In your old life? Yeah. yeah. Now, when you say old life, the helicopter business. Okay, like yeah. a couple of years ago. No, like a, a decade, twelve years ago. Yeah, ten years ago. Huh. So when he said old life, did he mean? He meant just previously, like years ago, decades, like just like the Indiana Jones stuff. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote The Last Crusade. And I remember the Odd Tech just being like, so they, he they wrote, had, whoa, 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 whoa. So he wrote The Last Crusade. Yeah. Well, the novel, which maybe got adapted into the film. Like, I don't know if that was a screenplay. I don't think it was a screenplay. He said it was a novel, right? Seven Indiana Jones novels. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, lots Why of interesting books there. Because. It's the synchronicities, dude, and the abductions and stuff. Like, they seem the pretty open-minded about that. You get what you're writing the Indiana fucking Jones novels, bro. Like what? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. All Not day long, you're, you're trying too hard. I'm trying too hard. <laughs> All day long. I Indy. do try pretty hard, Indy baby. <laughs> so yeah, that was fun. What'd you think? It was good. Started, what do you think of the whole abduction started thing? Started super strong. Yeah. Well, what do you think? I mean, something's going on. I like how they're not very dogmatic. I think like, it could be a mix lab. of everything. Yeah, I think it's all, all my lab. lab. All my lab. So what about the grays? Are they, they're my are they manufactured? That's fucking false memories, bro. Really, eh? So it's more mental phenomenon than a physical, like, man-made gray? Yeah. Or it's future humans trying to steal Soft matter? Them. It's not soft matter? Well, if they're decades ahead and they're coming up with this uh, this robotic people that look real and they sound real, maybe uh, maybe they've been doing it for decades. Probably those high tech labs, man. Those high tech labs have been employing scientists for thousands for thousands of scientists for decades and decades. What do you working, think they came up with? If those were monkeys, they'd have written a book by now. No, I don't agree with that. Who fucking came? That's a bullshit <laughs> thing. No, a thousand monkeys no, and a thousand bullshit. typewriters oh and a thousand God, years would write the works of no. Shakespeare. 
No. That's no, fucking some silly fucking meme. I don't like those I things. I wonder what fucking Fusco would think about that. <laughs> anyway, big thanks to Trish and Rob for coming on the show. Always fun. Always a blast. We can talk about these synchronicities. Uh, for what it's worth, I rated them uh, 8.2, oh, 9.8. Oh. Good ratings. 8.8 and uh, 7 points up. That's pretty good. Yeah. If you get average. That, they, well, they're telling us telling us their best stuff, I think. But, no, no, no. Read the it. book. There's fucking, I'm telling you, there's crazy stuff in there. Uh, do we have the book? Have you heard about the one with uh, no. Richard Parker? No. Did you know that three Richard Parkers died on a boat, stranded at sea, eaten by other humans? Three Richard Parkers. <laughs> Ouch, you don't name your kid Richard Parker. Can you imagine? <laughs> What are the chances that if your name's Dick Parker and you're out on a boat listening <laughs> to this, you're like, fuck, you're looking around. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I got that right from the book and from remembering it. It's fucking crazy. Who told those stories? It's in the book. Who told the stories? The guys that ate them? I don't know. <laughs> because there's only a couple people that know that story. <laughs> <laughs> mm, Richard Parker tastes good. Yeah, Dick tastes good. We ate Richard Parker. <laughs> we ate Richard we Parker ate Dick. again. <laughs> and why would it be Richard? Wait, right? that's we how, ate Dick. That's... <laughs> I get it now. Okay. They're just gay sailors. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the name for it. <laughs> Richard Parker is the. It's the. It's the code name. <laughs> How was your trip? We eat Richard Parker again. And the meme made it on for a hundred years. <laughs> oh, fuck. I wonder what... <laughs> what happens is if you put Richard Parker in the Urban Dictionary... <laughs> Do you want me to try that right Tried now? <laughs> we ate Richard Parker. <laughs> what do you got? We should wrap this up. Jeez, it came up right away when I said urban. Richard Parker, the Bengal Tiger from The Life of Pi by Jan Martel was named after Edgar Allan Poe character. A on... The narrative of Doesn't Gordon Pym and Nantucket. on a boat? In that movie? That's what I just said. Yeah, that's like Life of Pi was around the real story of Richard Parker. Oh, that's one of them. In the story, however, the narrator explains that a hunter named Richard Parker shot the tiger's mother. Sometime during the baby tiger's transport to Pondcherry, the zoo, the hunter's name was substituted for the tiger's name and the name stuck. Well, it it doesn't even say anything about the the rest of it. All right, guys. Ugh. Thanks for listening. Hang on. I'm doing a Richard Parker. Hang on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to rudely leave somewhere without telling someone, disappearing a banterous place without saying goodbye. Where's Dave gone? Can't see him doing a Richard Parker. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. No, you're not, that's not, that's we not. used to call that the Pokeroo in my day. The Pokeroo, really? And I missed him again. When we disappeared, we just leave the group. It's like now po- it's called a Richard Parker. Your poker you and now it's a Richard Parker. Yeah. I also think blowing another dude is a Richard Parker. 
And you know what else came up right away? The Google Books, the domesticated penis, how womanhood has shaped manhood. That's huh. like the fifth definition of Richard Parker. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we just made a sixth. Eating dick. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next week.